0: from breaking glass ceilings to dominating in sports and entertainment women truly are unstoppable
1: infinity
2: presents a new chapter in luxury the premiere of the all-new 2025 infinity qx80 live march 20th from the edge at hudson yards in new york city
4: Hi, I'm Edie Wolf, winner of Toss Popcorn's recent horse and cinema design competition, taking over the intro for this week's episode. You can find my winning design, the Oscar horse, at Tossed Popcorn's Tea Public Store and me at Edie.wolf on Instagram. And now, welcome to Tossed Popcorn, the podcast where two idiots watch every film on the AFI's 100 greatest American movies of all time, the very slightly less racist 10th anniversary edition. Today, Sienna and Liana are watching Double Indemnity.
5: Get out of here.
4: You bet I'll get out of here, baby. I get out of here, but quick. Number twenty nine on the AFI list. Enjoy the episode. Warning: There will be spoilers about this claim film. <laughs> I thought I could make claim into an adjective. <laughs> Claimactic. I uh, fuck. <laughs> Sienna. Liana, did you know anything about *Double and Doomna 2 going into it? Apparently I did. Oh, <laughs> I think okay. we should actually just go straight to our prediction. I would love to hear your prediction.
3: Hi, Liana. It's Sienna. Hi. I'm weirdly excited oh. to watch Double Indemnity. Oh. And the reason for that, I think this is the noir that has Barbara Stanwyck in it. Mm-hmm. Barbara Stanwyck is oh. the star of a Christmas movie oh. called Christmas in Connecticut.
4: Ah, Mr. Yardley. <gasps> you know it? You told me about oh, him. Yeah.
3: And I once saw a glimpse of a movie that was a noir <laughs> with Barbara Stanwyck, and she comes down the stairs, <laughs> and she's wearing an anklet, anklet, which I thought was so weird because I didn't know that those existed in me neither. Right? the olden days. Mm-hmm. And I remember hearing the detective guy comment on her anklet, saying, like, the way the anklet cut into her gam, and Ew. gave me tizzies in my fizzy. <laughs> <And Ew. laughs> Anyway, so I really hope it's that movie. If it's not, I'm going to be sad. All right. I predict it's noir. Bye-bye.
4: <laughs> you told me about Christmas in Connecticut during our Casablanca episode because the guy who looks like a blueberry, it plays Mr. Yardley. Exactly. I, I've i never seen your memory work like this Yeah, <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. Sure, 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 sure. I, I do see where that was really surprising Do <laughs> You to remember you. his name? If you tell me something... While we are recording a podcast that I then have to edit and listen to multiple times, I will remember it. That makes so much sense. Mm -hmm. Here is my prediction for Double Indemnity. Good morning, Sienna. It's Liana. I'm about to watch Double Indemnity. Mm -hmm. (laughs) What? I do not know anything about this film. I also, I don't know what indemnity means. And the fact that 36 hours from now I will know makes me very tired. (laughs) I predict that this is going to be, oh, maybe it's a film about twins. (laughs) And somebody's like, oh, my God, there's two of you. Like the parent trap. (laughs) That would be cute. (laughs) Love you. Bye. Okay. I love that idea so much. (laughs) Finally, a twin movie. Yeah. Did you become more or less tired? When you found out that double indemnity was an insurance term I I became furious (laughs) I was (laughs) so mad At this whole movie (laughs) For being about insurance I hated this film (laughs) (laughs) But before we get to that Okay Sienna Mm -hmm. How would you summarize double indemnity Either the insurance claim Or the film A summary
3: of double indemnity a tall insurance agent <laughs> mansplains insurance to the wrong dame. <laughs> Barbara Stanwyck, or Phyllis, and Fred McMurray, or Neff? William Neff. Walter Neff. Oh.
0: <laughs>
3: and Fred McMurray, playing Walter Neff, set out to kill Phyllis's cruel husband for a big insurance payout. But baby, they underestimate the resolve of keys. The insurance investigator with indigestion, deceit, plotting, disguises, salesmanship. This movie has it all and more. And mostly it's about insurance. (laughs) The end.
4: I love the energy of ending a summary more as a pitch. (laughs) It really got me in my sales mode. You'll have to see it yourself to find (laughs) out. No, tell it, you're supposed to tell them what happened. The summary, you know, a summary of... This summer. <laughs> Thank you. Mm-hmm. That was, yeah, that was really helpful to me. Really? I don't remember this film.
3: I actually think the beats are all pretty memorable, but it's kind of what you expect. They're going to do a murder against yeah. a husband. They want to do it for insurance reasons. Ooh, Liana is petting her
4: bangs. <laughs> she is she, stroking them again because I mentioned it. And she's one more time combing them down. She can't see. <laughs> I really can. But I can hear. A film noir being predictable, you say? Yes. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the historical context segment for Double Indemnity, the 1944 film. Barbara Stanwyck. Yay. Who we, Stan, plays Phyllis, Phyllis Dietrichson. At the time of this movie in 1944, she was the highest paid actress in Hollywood and the highest paid woman in America. (sighs) <sighs> jobs Which were like not good for him I know I know it's like a fun fact for a split second and then it's a bummer her wig in the film uh-huh. was intentionally bad as a means of displaying the character's cheapness slash sleaze but it was very oh. contentious <laughs> rude because everyone was like this wig looks bad on her and other people were like that's the point like it's art but the Paramount production head Buddy De Silva said of the wig quote We hired Barbara Stanwyck, and here we get George Washington. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, he doesn't look like George Washington. (laughs) But they only had so many wig references at the time. (laughs) That's hilarious, though. Also, I'm glad to hear that that was a noted thing in history, because it didn't look good. No, it looked bad. I was also triggered by those short bangs, let me tell you. (laughs) I thought a lot about the short bangs. They were crazy. Like a Swiss roll Mm -hmm. placed on her forehead. Double Indemnity, the 1944 film, was based on a 1943 novella of the same title by James M. Kane, which originally was published as a series in Liberty Magazine in 1936, which in turn was based on an actual murder <gasps> of a husband by a wife and her lover.
1: Uh, yeah. Sienna is
4: yes. moving in such yeah. a way as if if you put a jumping rope in her hands, <gasps> she would be skipping. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Tell me more. 1927. Queens, New York. It's the literal same concept, except these people did a really bad job. <laughs> <laughs> Yay! <laughs> Ruth Snyder persuaded her boyfriend slash lover Judd Gray, who was a corset salesman, <laughs> to kill her husband, Albert. She forged Albert's name on a life insurance policy that had a double indemnity clause. Gray comes into the home. He murders Albert with, I think, like a dumbbell and a cord from the curtain in the room, like strangles him to um, death. And Snyder, Ruth Snyder, claimed later that two men broke into her home, knocked her out, tied her up in the hallway, killed her husband and stole her jewelry. But within like an hour, they found her jewelry under her mattress. (laughs) And there was no evidence that she had been knocked out. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like, they, the problem is that they didn't try at all. Right. Like, if you're going to do murder, be smart about it. Mm-hmm. This was so, so dumb. It was so dumb. In fact, the journalist Damon Runyon literally called it the dumbbell murder because it was so dumb. <laughs> 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 it did get a lot of attention in the press because there was a tabloid war going on at the time between the Daily Graphic. The Daily News and William Randolph Hearst. I knew it. Daily Mirror. I knew you were going to say it.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
4: Sad. Both ultimately were convicted and um, executed via the electric chair. Oh my gosh. <laughs> in January of 1928. I know. Here's the grimmest fact of this whole thing a photographer snuck a camera in to the execution chamber viewing room. <laughs> Like, under his pant leg. And so while Ruth Snyder was being executed, he, like, took a photo of it. Holy shit! They put that on the cover of the newspapers, and the newspapers sold out in 15 minutes. That's disgusting. Isn't that awful? It feels extremely, like, 1920s. It's totally. Spook. Yeah. God, that's crazy. That was a crazy story. That is a crazy story. And... That's so random. It was so random. <laughs> Honestly, give him the money. That was so random. <laughs> um... But this, they had a hard time turning this into a movie because of the production codes. It was very unusual at the time for both protagonists to be villains. Oh. Some studios hesitated to take the script for fear it would do what the Hayes Code called the hardening of audiences <laughs> to the thought of crime. <laughs> right, right, right. It was pitched, and then it was pitched eight years later, and the Hayes office rejected it again. Wow. Ultimately, it got approved, but with the following objections. The portrayal and disposal of the body had to be changed. There was a proposed gas chamber execution scene that got taken out. And the skimpiness of the towel Phyllis wears in the first scene (laughs) received a lot of notes. (laughs) Oh, the actual towel that's in there? Mm Mm-hmm. I guess, no, I guess she was wearing a smaller one. And they were like, no, (laughs) no, absolutely not. Wow. Very, very funny. What's interesting is that production code at the time demanded that criminals pay on screen for their transgressions. Yeah, I I remember that being a thing. And that, I was thinking about that a lot in this one. Because there's a weird slow last scene. Yes. Very slow. (laughs) You could argue the whole film is a very slow last scene. (laughs) Which brings us... To film noir, which took off in the U.S. post World War II, because happy ever after that narrative didn't work on people anymore. (gasps) I love this stuff so much. So everybody was so fucking jaded. They're like, "Give it to us straight, Billy, (laughs) Billy Wilder, director of the film." There were very popular fiction writers at the time who would write these film noir novels, and then those would frequently get adapted to the screen. I think they're just called noir (laughs) film noir novels. This really interesting (laughs) noir book movie. (laughs) Some classic elements are that we know what will happen, just not how it's going to happen. So this movie feels very predictable. Apparently film noir films, they kind of hit beats frequently in each storyline. And you're like, yeah, yeah, like probably the protagonist is not going to have a good time by the end. You're just not quite sure how that's going to occur. That's true. I felt that. Mm. The two primary motivations in film noir are greed and lust. Oh yeah, it usually ends poorly for the protagonist, and usually it's the woman's fault. The femme
0: fatale—that's
4: what a femme fatale is—is is that everything's her fault. Yeah, I mean basically, because fatale is like she brings about the downfall of the, the male protagonist. I didn't realize that that's what that. Oh yeah, it's trope entirely was. in relation to the man. The cinematographer John F. Seitz... Possibly started the Venetian blind lighting thing in film noir. Yes. yeah, yeah, yes. Okay, John, John. Um, he maybe didn't. So, <laughs> <laughs> Eddie Muller, the host of Turner Classic Movies Noir Alley, argues that quote this film's commercial and artistic success triggered the film noir movement in Hollywood. Wow. So I guess this was an early, or if not super early, at least extremely successful early version. Of film noir. Finally, double indemnity is the life insurance clause that requires the company to pay double in cases of accidental death. Please don't ask me a follow-up <laughs> question. <laughs> I, I can see it physically building in you, and I, I have the same ones as you. Okay, I don't know why in this movie it had to be a train. I don't know. I'm sure they explained it and I didn't care. Yeah, he did say the train thing. And you know, in my memory, she said, Why does it have to be a train? And he went, <laughs> Yeah, that's what I remember. It's like water spilled on the script at that point, and you just couldn't quite get any words out of it. Thank you so much for that uh, historical context. You're welcome. That was extremely interesting. I thought so. This was a film noir. <laughs> <laughs> There's one thing about this film it was a noir, it was aggressively noir. I hated it. (laughs) Okay, Liana, why did you hate it? Uh, Hey, everyone. Welcome to Phone Notes, where we read the notes that the other person took on their phone while watching the film. I think it triggered my fight or flight in terms of I have anxiety. (laughs) Like, like professionally diagnosed (laughs) anxiety. Like, I am on medication for the anxiety that Mm -hmm. I have. And this film was people trying to get away with crime the whole time. And you know that it's not going to (laughs) work out. And... You don't know how it's not going to work out, but you know that it's not going to work out. And that's how my brain feels every day. <laughs> Something's going to go wrong and I don't know how, but it's going to. It's inevitable. I can't hear my footsteps. Oh my God. Your life is really a noir. Thank you. You don't know how it's going to go wrong. I'm very pale. The woman ends up tired. <laughs> Thank you. I totally
3: got that it was the trope creator Mm -hmm. Of noir, I got
4: that. Mm -hmm. Even so, it felt like, all right, this is, we get it. We get that you're noir. Oh my God, this is the truest thing you've ever said. Disney's Tower of Terror plus the producers' unhappy number equals this workspace. Right? You know what's crazy? What? This workspace apparently was modeled after the Paramount offices. Oh. I know. (laughs) But that is that exact vibe. Like Matthew Broderick singing unhappy Mm -hmm. plus... A family disappearing into the twilight zone is exactly what it would have felt like to work in the Paramount offices in the 40s. <laughs> that is so cursed.
3: Don't guy co-anywhere while we take an ad break. We'll be right back.
2: If you struggle to get in shape and lose weight, I'm about to change your life. I'm Carl, the CEO of Body, and I don't like working out and eating healthy either. So here's how I get myself to do it. I make myself own the morning. And by the morning, I mean the first hour or so every day. It's not family time. It's not for scrolling social media. It's for my results and my health. And man, does it work. Every day I get out of bed, drink a health shake I made the night before, and then I go crush a workout in the body app and just follow along day by day before most people are even out of bed. I'm done for the day. So here's my offer to you. The next 500 people who go to Body.com will get 65% off a full year of access to over 120 programs. 65%. Because I want you to start now and see how fast the pounds come off and the muscles start popping. And if they don't, hey, you get your money back. Just go to Body.com. That's B-O-D-I dot com. And let's own the morning together and get healthy and fit.
0: There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy, and anytime is right to listen to iHeart Radio's iHeart Country Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free.
5: Hey guys, it's Ray from the Bobby Bones Show here to tell you the National Sales Event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV like an Adventure Ready Rav Four. Let's go! So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. Visit your local Toyota dealer. Check out amazing national sales event deals on RAV4s, Highlanders, and more. Visit buyatoyota.com. That's buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places.
6: Farm to store in days, not weeks. That's 80 Acres Farms. Did you know most salads travel over 2,000 miles to reach your plate? But not 80 Acres Farms. Their crisp salad greens and herbs are food less traveled. They stay fresher for longer in your fridge. My salad lasts all week long, which means less food waste and easy meal planning. Oh, and did I mention there's zero need to wash these greens? Because 80 Acres Farms uses zero pesticides. Visit 80acresfarms.com to learn more and find their salads and salad kits at your local Harris Teeter.
3: Our insurance agent man first goes in and starts talking to a tape recorder
4: that, yes, it's like a, a flash. dictaphone. Flash forward. A dictaphone? hmm had very Teletubbies technology vibes to it. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. I was into that dictaphone. I was so confused. Because I thought what he slid into it was an ink cartridge. And then he started talking into like a big flower. And I was like, whoa. (laughs) It was so weird. What? To not explain. But they didn't know that the future was coming.
3: That we wouldn't know. Yeah. They didn't know they were going to look like idiots. (laughs) So Keyes is the one he's talking to into the dictaphone. Ah, yes. The point is whenever an insurance claim is made keys is the one who goes and investigates to make sure it is the real deal to make sure people aren't just trying to scrape money off the top oh. that they're not you know so that's his whole job that's his whole job oh which is why Neff is so skeptical he's like i don't think we can get away with this because he's really good at his job oh. keys is gonna find out but then he's like
4: eh, yeah. or maybe he
3: won't yeah she's
4: very hot oh <laughs> give it a go
3: liana's first note
4: surprise it's set in la Why did it have to be? I I was upset about that. This is honestly, if you make a film and you set it in L.A., it will win an award. It doesn't matter how good the film is. L.A. will see it and be like, oh, my God, me. I've been there. I love her. (sighs) I love her, too. I love this. (laughs) 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 That's why so much music these days is just naming neighborhoods in Los (laughs) Angeles. Santa Monica sunset <laughs> Glendale glabal. and this movie did it too it was like oh Franklin in Vermont drop me off right there oh the Santa Monica Pier I had to go to Glendale to sell milk Like, ugh. for those of us not from here who have to hear that stuff all the time it's not as charming as you think it is no not cute okay Liana this is a great point thank you <laughs> so chaotic to feed someone else's goldfish did you see this yes I did so uh, Ness goes to his first client. He was going to like pitch more insurance to a guy. <laughs> and it turns out that this is the mansion of the towel-clad Phyllis. Yes. The towel-clad, very hot George Washington. Mm-hmm. Barbara Stanwyck. She's like, oh my God, let me get dressed. I was just sunbathing, <laughs> just welcoming cancer into my body. I'll be right back. He traipses into the living room, sees a tank of, I guess, several goldfish. And his first thought is, allow me to feed these fish. <laughs> He does not know their eating schedule. He does not know if one of them is ill or takes a different flake. Yeah, you're right. And that is his whole energy as well. And it feels like why people liked
3: Noirs. This is this kind of male energy of the time, which is just like, I know
4: best. I'm going to feed these fish. I'm going to do whatever I want. Oh, fish. I'm going to feed them. Yeah, He was annoying. Unacceptable. You know, there's a lot of rumors that Barbara Sandrook was a lesbian. I love that for her. Oh my God. George Washington, Queen. <laughs> George Washington, Queen. Anklet wearing first president lesbian. <laughs> I love her. I love <laughs> her so much. What does crusty thumb brag mean?
3: <laughs> yeah, at first I had more context for this and I decided to leave it. Okay. Do you notice that mm. one of his trademark
4: behaviors is that he lights oh, matches uh-huh. just with his finger? Uh huh. Anyway, I'm like, okay, way to brag about your crusty thumb. That's that's like a thing, though. Like, you know that. Striking a match on your nail. Oh, his nail. <laughs> I mean, I figured oh, out that it was God. a thing. Obviously, it can be done if he kept doing you it. thought his skin was so dry that it was the texture of sandpaper <laughs> across which he could strike and successfully ignite a match? Ew! All I can tell you is that I did not. Perceived that it was his nail mm. and i was accepting it happening so thereby i was assuming he had a crusty thumb honestly i am not one to talk because i learned that from the googling and before that i just thought he was magic <laughs> i am so glad you also noticed him going bowling to clear his head <laughs> i don't even know when this happened so stupid who would ever do that Oh, my head. It's just so... I'm all junked up in there. I gotta gotta get to the lanes. Just one man bowl. Just me and 10 pins. Imagine being on like a first date at the bowling alley (laughs) and in the lane next to you is this distraught insurance salesman who's so horned up. Things keep catching fire because of his crusty thumbs. (laughs) And he's furiously bowling. (laughs) Flaming bowling balls. (laughs) I gotta get to my friends. The ball... I and gotta, the pins. I gotta see that poorly animated bowling ball <laughs> hop across a field, and the pins are sheep for some reason, and it hits them, and everybody frowns, and then the remaining spare turns into a devil. <laughs> I haven't been to a bowling alley in like 10 years. Is that still No, that what was they totally are? accurate. Yeah, I figured. And at the time, you know, they didn't have just screens up top as easily as they do now, mm-hmm. so they had to act it out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there were the bowling alley players. <laughs> At the end of every pitch, bowl, roll. Yeah, come back out. It's like carpet. It's like crosswalk musical. Yeah. <laughs> and they have to do it for so everyone. Fa- they only have the time it takes for the pins to reset, to reenact the entire previous play. <laughs> and there's 11 of them. And it's an iambic pentameter. <laughs> I really want to talk about the grocery stores in this film. Okay. Did you notice these supermarkets? Very stacked. They were. Kind of terrifying. Oh, these this spaces. Is Here's the thing. I love a supermarket. Me too. It's my happy place. Mine too. Ah! Wait, we've never talked about that. What the hell? <laughs> <laughs> Listener, we are looking at each other very suspect. I, <laughs> I love that our response here is distrust. <laughs> Wait Why second. didn't you tell me? <laughs> okay, so these grocery stores, the more time we spent here, I'm like, this is right before. Mm-hmm.
3: They really mastered the supermarket, which was going to become a big thing in the, in the mid-century. But they, you could tell, you could feel the war in this space.
4: <laughs> Everything was in a can. There were so many cans. And yeah. did you notice how they spelled canned for short? Was it C-A-N apostrophe D? No apostrophe. That sucks. <laughs> that really sucks. Why no apostrophe? What did they run out of money? Could Rosie not rivet them an apostrophe? So many cans, stacks and
3: stacks and stacks of cans. And then people walking through like, can you hand me that can?
4: (laughs) Nobody could get to where they needed to go in that supermarket. Everything was out of everybody's reach. It was Mm. so close. I think it was kind of an uncanny valley sort of supermarket. Uncanny? (gasps) Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, truly. Who needs a hat in California? Um, That's where you need a hat, you asshole. Interesting. Say more. This is when we met the cruel husband. Uh Uh-huh. And he was saying, oh, you're always
3: buying things. Mm -hmm. Oh, you're going to buy a hat? Mm. Who needs a hat in California? Mm. And I'm like, in
4: Los Angeles? Yeah, you need a hat, friend. Mm. The sun is not good for you. I know you guys don't know about that yet. Question. Mm -hmm. Do you think she was buying specifically sun hats? Why are you siding with the man here? Or why are you siding with the the cruel husband? As someone from a cold climate. Uh Uh-huh. You don't need a hat? No, you're right. (laughs) That's all right. Well, maybe you're siding with him because he's a Stanford man. Oh, okay. I wrote about this. They were like, he's going to Palo Alto. He's a Stanford man. He goes to his reunion every year. And I was like, that is so embarrassing. <laughs> every year? Well, you're, you're like 23rd reunion. You're like, what's up? Liana asks, Sienna, do you know about Medford, Oregon? Why is this guy so proud to be from there? He kept mentioning it, and I was like, maybe it's a PNW thing. I do know about Medford, Oregon. See? But I do think that somebody working on this project is just from Medford. Medford, yeah. And they're like, Medford, 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 Medford! Medford, Medford." (laughs) Did you notice that he fully had a dick appointment in LA? Uh, The only reason I noticed is because uh, my parents pointed it out. Oh, that's interesting. (laughs) Because he's basically like, I'm going to go see a massage therapist or an, an o- osteopath. osteopath. Yeah. And the guy's like, well, just don't charge her on the... Yeah. And you know because sexism, that women were not osteopaths at the time. <laughs> so he was getting stretched in a different way. Wait, how fast did Lola find an apartment? She found one so fast. Lola is the stepdaughter of... Phyllis. Bad nurse Phyllis. Who we later find <laughs> out... had nurse. Killed her mom. Very bad nurse. <laughs> bad nurse. And Lola was like... Yeah, no one believes me, but like I saw <laughs> I'm Phyllis. Sure she killed, killed my, my mom. <laughs> <laughs> she's like, my, yeah. my mom was getting sicker, and then like all the windows then, were open. Her blankets were visibly torn off of her. <laughs> and then Phyllis was standing there looking super evil. And like now I have to live with her and she married my dad. And now my dad's dead. <laughs> like a day before my dad was dead, she tried on like a full funeral outfit. <laughs> <laughs> I thought maybe you should know. I, think I don't she's know. If she's killing told. my parents. <laughs> But anyway, then she's like, so I'm not living at home anymore because I'm living with a murderer only. And then uh, he's like, so where are you staying? And she's like, oh, I I got a little apartment. I guess they didn't have a housing crisis back then. It was so fast. Damn. Did he start dating her? I know. (laughs) There's always that moment in every old film where they go, the older woman's
3: gotten complicated. I prefer her child. Oh.
4: And that was just like accepted. It was like, oh, here's another one. They did that in Sunset Boulevard. He was like, this old yeah. woman is complicated. I'm going to hang out with this young one. Yeah. I felt at ease with her. Get out of here. I was a bit perplexed because I was like, would Keyes really figure this out? Yeah. Like, would he actually? He He went from knowing nothing about it to being like, Here's exactly how it happened. Right, They replaced the man. This man was a body double. This man yeeted himself off the train. Then they put the dead man back on who, of course, had been strangled in the passenger seat of a vehicle mere minutes before. Like, what?
3: Yeah, Uh, you're right. Um, They do sort of explain that by saying that he just needs to follow his gut. He's like, it's always this gut, which, yes, I wrote. (laughs) He may have indigestion,
4: but he knows how to trust his gut. (laughs) <laughs> Which I wonder if that was like supposed to be a thing I don't know. Can I say mm-hmm. He kept saying I thought one thing But then my little man told me Something else Penis it, penis. My little man In all modern media If somebody says my little man They are talking about their own penis My little man pointed in a direction <laughs> And I followed it <laughs> My little man said oh, this case is really hard <laughs> Bing Yeah, I mean, the only other thing that I wanted to point out was that she finally basically admits that she loves him and then he shoots her. He shoots her dead. It sucked. And it was like, okay, buddy, like, you don't have to say it back. (laughs) Whoa, man. Whoa. (laughs) No, it really sucked. He just kills her. We're like, I didn't actually want you to do that. Okay, honestly, though, this is grim. But if I said I love you to someone and they didn't say it back, (laughs) I would much rather they shoot me than they be like, Thank you. (laughs) Or like, oh, I'm just not there yet. Just shoot me. <laughs> so honestly, women's rights. <laughs> okay, King. Sienna, should we move on to badges and trages? Badges and trages? I got a badge for noir speech. Even mm. though it went too fast for me to hear it,
3: I caught a couple things. For example, you think you're a hot potato.
4: <laughs> and that is hilarious. They reference the silliest foods in film noir: Hello beans, a hot potato. What are you guys talking about? You guys you are being guys, so, so random. random. I have a badge for getting in an elevator and saying "Let's ride." <laughs> <laughs> I laughed so hard. I want to do that whenever I get in an elevator. Now yeah, that is freaking funny. Come on, boys, <laughs> let's ride. <laughs> Click eight floor. <laughs> oh, I have a badge for her shoes, pom poms. Yes, pom poms. The little. Pom-poms. I have a badge for those too. She also wore like a really cute sweater at some point. And after this movie, I went online and did some online shopping. That's how much the fashion inspired yeah. me. That pantsuit she wears when she gets shot. That pantsuit walks so Fleabag could run. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I have a badge for July 16th, 1938. To give me the month, the day, <laughs> and the year right at the beginning of a movie. There is nothing better. That's there is so- no greater gift to me than that. That's so kind for you. Yeah.
3: I have a badge, of course, for time spent in a supermarket. <laughs> there was not just one
4: scene in here, but at least two. I have a badge for... Keith was funny. I liked him. I liked Keith, too. He funny lines. Like, at the very end, he was like, it seems like you leaked a little blood on the way in here. <laughs> he was a joy, too. <laughs> he- which he said to a man. It would not be appropriate if he said it to somebody with a uterus. <laughs> you can't point that out. I have a badge for a trope creator. Yeah.
3: It had... The fast talking, the narration, the guy looking out a window,
4: the cigarettes, yeah, it, the hats, it had it all. Oh, I have a badge for turning around to find a tiny gun has been pulled on you. <laughs> uh, that's a classic. That's fun. That's an American classic right to there. turn and say, whoa, hey. Madeline, <laughs> that gun is so tiny. I can't express how big
3: my badge was for this tape recorder. This dictaphone, the as dictaphone? You said. it was such a strange
4: item, mm-hmm. and reminded me so much of Tubby Custard for some reason. No, maybe it's who's the Teletubbies? Vacuum? I don't think I've ever heard an adult say Tubby Custard. Tubby Custard. You can't just say that. Tubby Custard. That's filthy. Tubby Custard. Don't sing it. Oh, do you want me to hold the elevator? <laughs> Let's ride. <laughs> we'll be right back.
0: If
2: you struggle to get in shape and lose weight. I'm about to change your life. I'm Carl, the CEO of Body. And I don't like working out and eating healthy either. So here's how I get myself to do it. I make myself own the morning. And by the morning, I mean the first hour or so every day. It's not family time. It's not for scrolling social media. It's for my results and my health. And man, does it work. Every day, I get out of bed, drink a health shake I made the night before, and then I go crush a workout in the Body app and just follow along day by day.
6: because 80 Acres Farms uses zero pesticides. Visit 80acresfarms.com to learn more and find their salads and salad kits at your local Harris Teeter.
4: All right, Trages, Trages. I have a trad for kissing in the past was not hot. <laughs> it was not hot. I also was looking today, and one of the articles was like, and then the scene in which it's heavily implied that they just had sex, and I was like, What? (laughs) When was that? There was no spice to it. Yeah. I I wished to look away when they were kissing. Yeah. That's not a hot reaction. That kind of leads into my one of my tragedies, which is Neff was like not super endearing. I found him to be an annoying dude. He was not hot enough. He he didn't have like a hot energy to him. Not at all. I didn't feel like there was chemistry between the two. I thought they were good at the banter, the rapid fire back and forth, I thought was good. And I thought they were acting that they were horny for each other, but yeah. there was not a spark. You're completely right. That's what I was picking up on. Mm. <laughs> Ironic, given how fucking crusty his thumbs are. <laughs> that what? The a spark. <laughs> I've tried for how much this guy says baby. <gasps> That's also my next question. But mine was specifically, I'm so embarrassed every time he says it. How does he say it? I don't know, baby. Yeah, it's so embarrassing. It's so embarrassing. <laughs> He's not cool enough to be no. saying it. I like like the idea. Like I like ugh. all of us referencing that movie by saying baby, but I don't like it actually happening. He's like the physical embodiment of the ick. <laughs> he is. <laughs> yeah. He is. Yeah. <laughs> Everything he does is like, oh. Stop feeding my fish. Why would you do that? They're my fish. God, the way you're limping when you're pretending to have like a foot accident is just ugh. I really thought that that he was going to get caught out in doing crime because... That bandage did not look at all <laughs> like a foot cast. He brought like a sock and was like, ah, oh, Ouchie. my leg. Ugh. I have a tragedy for the general. This
3: is not like a concept I've brought up before, but it does happen in a lot of movies. And I, I wonder if you've seen it, too. When she is talking to him on the couch, I guess in the scene where they're supposed to have boned at some point mm-hmm. at his apartment. Mm-hmm. It's when he finally agrees to kill her husband with her. And mm-hmm. he's like, yeah, we're going to do it. Mm-hmm. So they're on the same page. Things are good. But then he like does that shoulder grab thing oh! that they do to, to do the kiss. They always do the shoulder yeah. grab. And then he's like, we're going to do it. And she, her response is, Walter, you're hurting me. Why is that a line that these guys would write in their scripts? Like, like oh, I, like from an actual storytelling perspective, I don't get what that conveys. I don't get what we're learning.
4: I guess like it's supposed to be passion. Like, he grabs her so hard, Uh, but she's just in pain and voices that, and he doesn't listen. That's really true, too, because I'm like, why would she ever say that? But it's not
3: about that. It's like, it's showing he has strong hands and is passionate. Yeah.
4: She has to say, you're hurting me. Even though she's supposed to be happy, she should be like, I'm so glad we're doing this. Ooh, don't squeeze so hard. Ow. Ow. Ow? My final trage is, when she first said, I never loved you, Walter. Oh, I guess his name was Walter. (laughs) Ah! No, like, no, it is Walter. When she says, I never loved you, William. <laughs> I was like, yes, bitch. Manipulation queen. Girl boss cast, like, keep your yeah. way to the top. Hell yeah. And then the second after, she's like, oh, I guess I love you right now because I can't do murder. I was so mad. That was so stupid. Uh, that is my final tragedy is that this woman could not, they didn't let this woman not love the man. What the hell? There are so many ways, and a lot of it is because of the trope thing, that this movie just felt like an improv scene. I was thinking about improv the entire time. I was thinking about my go-to film noir improv scene move of stepping out and breaking the fourth wall, smoking a fake cigarette and saying, I knew he wasn't talking about the guns. <laughs> That's the whole energy that this movie had. And then an engineering school audience is like, wow, yeah. how'd she know to say that? <sighs> yeah. It's the mix of all those tropes and then the ending being dumb. So <laughs> dumb. Oh, Liana, shall we move on? Please and thank To you. our next segment, which is, of course, how to pretend you've seen this film. How can you do
3: it? This is for, you are on a train. You are at, at the very back of a train. Mm. Yeah, the, 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 the end of the caboose. The caboose of the caboose. <laughs> the caboose caboose. <laughs> And you're just trying to have a peaceful time on the you bought a train ticket and you were
4: excited, mm-hmm. you're taking in the night air and, and- Jackson is surprised sitting behind you <laughs> in a cowboy hat and says, Have you heard about Medford, Oregon? <laughs> you go, I wouldn't mind talking about that, actually. I like Well it. too bad. No. Because I saw a film once oh, where God. somebody was from Medford and I when I saw that I said, I'm gonna be from Medford. And that film was Double indemnity. <laughs> and I'm going to tell you about it right now. And to stop Jackson mm-hmm. from
3: telling you about insurance, here are some things that you can say to pretend you've seen the film Double Indemnity. Wow, Jackson, you can tell that this film was one of the first and most impactful noirs mm-hmm. because it has that classic, classic trope of the criminal being the
4: protagonist. Mm. Jackson, I'm sorry, I can't have this conversation right now because I'm not fully covered. I was thinking the towel, the tiny towel. Yeah. But also insurance. That's right. Yes. What? You know that's a line in the film. (laughs) You just described exactly what they wrote. Well, that's a good movie. (laughs) That sounds like a good movie. That would have been a good thing to say. That's it. Oh, Jackson, the light sources. Oh, what's going on with your little man? Damn it. (laughs) I took yours. (laughs) Damn it. Damn it. Damn it. (laughs) You can still say it. Yours will be better. (laughs) Jackson, I I was going to keep conversing with you, but my little man tells me it's not the best idea.
3: (laughs) Jackson, the light sources. Oh, calm down. I know that phrase makes you excited. The light sources in this movie cast strong shadows on the characters, which both... Conceals and projects the character's feelings. I saw that on the internet.
4: Jackson, this is where I get off, because my little man and I have an appointment with an osteopath. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Jackson, this film was so random. So random! So random! I'm going to jump off this train now! Oh my god! Bye! And speaking of things to jump off of, uh, yeah. things you could do we are now going to help you out save you time with our segment should you watch this or in which we tell you if we think you should watch this movie or if you should do mm, something else with your train time
3: <laughs> liana where do you fall
4: no, no other no, no, than no. off the back of a train nice very good um no i don't think you need to watch this movie if you know anything about film noir you probably know it maybe because of this movie so like we're good for it and whatever yeah, but what you could do, you should put your hair in a nineteen forties ish quaff. Yeah, find a dress that belonged to your grandmother, put that on, set up a tripod stand in your home, take a hundred and fifty photos of yourself, then put the mono filter on them from the photos app mm-hmm. in Apple Photos. Then do a ten day podcast campaign. <laughs> <laughs> Win a competition. Yes. Uh And become iHeartRadio's next great podcast. I think that is a great suggestion. Thank you. (laughs) I've done that before and it was... (laughs) Yeah, I've heard good things. It was good. (laughs) Okay. Sienna, what would you say? I also don't think you have to watch this film. Mm. Again, it's really like congratulations to it for the fact that it no longer needs to be watched. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That is the exact career trajectory that I want. I've spoken about (laughs) this often. I want to become so successful that I don't have to be on the internet at all anymore. Oh, yes. To not have to be perceived. Completely. The dream.
3: Yeah. So let's let this movie rest. <laughs> it did its work, its tropes, its energy has now disseminated across this great land.
4: Yeah. This great land. I think what you could do instead is like, literally go see a college improv. Uh, it won't be great, but if you're trying to learn noir things. That is where you will find it. You'll find it there. Mm-hmm also after you do that go bowling oh should we go bowling I would love to go bowling I bet we would be very bad at it, it would be in so different fun. ways
3: it would be so fun
4: yeah I say just go bowling mm. by yourself or with your friends Aww. just keep an eye on those videos The <laughs> keep an eye out for the bowling alley players who <laughs> <laughs> will sing you out yeah, well, into well, the night it'll probably be the same improv team that you saw before if you get a strike you have to kiss one of them <laughs> oh baby okay liana how would you rate double indemnity <laughs> oh for a great rate man. is that what interests us for a yeah. great low rate you can get online yeah i really didn't enjoy this film <laughs> i would give this movie one little man <laughs> yeah out of five I would give it one, mainly because of those pom-pom shoes. I really, really loved those pom-pom they shoes. Were fantastic. I thought Phyllis's wardrobe was great. I really liked her a lot, actually. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of fun to submerge yourself in the inky world of film noir Ooh. for a little bit. Yeah. Just to dip in there. I loved that sentence. And to sort of swim around in it for a bit. But then by, by a certain point, you just feel a bit like stained. So i didn't I didn't like being in there for the full I knew it wasn't talking about the gun uh for the full hour and forty seven I, I It would be fun to see a film noir these days that was done so well, but so many of the tropes of film noir would make that really hard to do mm. in a way that's like still like a yeah. woman has a good time and like also it's <laughs> just so unlikely, and everyone was white, like it just <laughs> it was very much a product of its time uh-huh. and can't really be like redeemed rewritten also why do they all take place in la doing noirs in la i want to see a noir in medford oregon hello hello good night nurse as as Uh, the nurse said to the mother yeah good night me nurse (laughs) (laughs) good night from your nurse (laughs) permanent good night from me your nurse (laughs) sienna what would you rate the film double indemnity um, I
3: liked this film fine. I, I do just like noirs, mm. so I'm excited when there's a noir. And mm-hmm. it was one, as mm-hmm. we said. Mm-hmm. Nice lines and things like that. I really liked Keys. Yeah. Oh, I did like him. Yeah. I also love Barbara Stanwyck. This wasn't my favorite film ever with her. She was really fun as like this kind of evil character and whatever, but I like her way more in Christmas in Connecticut. So I wasn't like extra excited to see Barbara Stanwyck. It was like a not as good version of her as things i've seen did you just lick your microphone a little bit? no <laughs> all right um mainly i think i just wasn't super super into what's william. his name yeah walter
4: uh, yeah, william. Uh, william francis neff
3: i wasn't obsessed with fred mcmurray as the noir man mm. as a story it was uh, compelling fine compelling
4: i think you know i feel good i'm gonna give it a 1.9 oh wow <laughs> it doesn't quite deserve a two. <laughs> 1.9 what? What were those type recorders called again? Dictaphones? Yeah. 1.8 <laughs> dictaphones out of five. <laughs> <laughs> I love that it was there was so much tumult over point 0.1. This is why everything in life takes me so long. It's I because literally, that point 0.1 matters to me. Well, there you go. There you go. It was. It did a lot of things. Uh-huh. We get why. Uh-huh. And it was kind of boring. Yes. Very, very boring. That's it for Tossed Popcorn's double indemnity episode. If you would like to file a claim with us, yeah, please find us on social media at Tossed Popcorn. We'll be at Flack next week, watching Apocalypse Now. Ah! No! <laughs> no! No!
1: <laughs>
4: no! No! Thank you, everyone, so much for listening. Don't fall off a train. Thank you. We love you. Bye. Bye. You can
3: find us on Instagram as at Sienna Jekyll and at Liana Holston. Please check the description for the spelling of our dumb names. We put out episodes every Tuesday, so make sure to subscribe so that you don't miss an episode. See you next week on Tossed Popcorn. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, check the iHeartRadio app.
4: If you want to feel in safe, comb, safe company, tweet us at tossed popcorn. If you We're gonna have to cut all of these, <laughs> <laughs> so you can keep going if you want, but they're not gonna make it in.
0: There's plenty to celebrate in March, and. Ex- <laughs>
6: And find their salads and salad kits at your local Harris Teeter.
1: What's out there is unknown. So at UC San Diego, out we go. Because to take on the challenges of the here and now, you got to get your feet wet, your eyes open, and your mind out there. Way out there, turning the unknown into cures, culture, and connections with each step forward. So pack a bag, a notebook, and some sandals and get ready to look far and think further. UC San Diego. Learn more at ucsd.edu.